Listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, January 22nd. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. After seven years of advocacy, the Sitka Homeless Coalition successfully launched a warming shelter this month that will keep its doors open on the coldest nights of the winter. KCAW's Meredith Reddick recently stopped by the shelter to learn how it fits into the coalition's longer-term vision for addressing homelessness in Sitka. On a chilly Thursday night, laughter is reverberating off the walls in the basement of Sitka's United Methodist Church. One man is eating stovetop stuffing out of a paper cup. Four or five people are drinking steaming hot cocoa around a table. Outside, it is 15 degrees Fahrenheit, but in here, everyone is warm. So this room, uh, it remains uh, open and uh, with a light on overnight. Um, there are books, um, some opportunities to uh, make art or color in there, uh, as well as a bunch of snacks um, and hot chocolate, which is uh, pretty popular as soon as we come in here, we turn on the hot water maker and a lot of things. Andrew Hinton is the executive director of the Sitka Homeless Coalition. He's here tonight chatting with clients and keeping the hot cocoa flowing. It's only the third night the shelter is open, but reviews are already coming in, and they're good. Jacob, who wanted to go by his first name only, has been here every night since the shelter opened on Tuesday. I was very impressed when I first got here. I thought I'd be laying just on a carpet with a pillow. And they've been very gracious with the, uh, I was surprised by the cots. It's like, it's nice to sleep on a cot. The Sitka Homeless Coalition has been trying to establish a shelter since its inception in 2017, but finding a space that could accommodate a shelter and that didn't trigger pushback from neighbors has proved challenging. Gail Young, the coalition's founder, described part of that difficulty in a 2021 interview with KCAW. No one would allow us the use of their building. They wouldn't rent to us. They wouldn't rent to us for just two weeks trial. Every answer was no. The Methodist Church is in a residential area and less than a quarter mile from an elementary school. But Hinton says neighbors were supportive of the location, in part because the shelter is only open outside of school hours. Things have gone very well so far. Um, we went and talked to the 10 or 12 uh, closest neighbors or so, and there was uh, a lot of support for the project and uh, an understand for its need. The shelter is open on nights when the temperature is expected to dip below 28 degrees, which this week is five out of seven nights. In the first week, the shelter provided showers, cots, and snacks to between six and eight people each night, a little under half of the estimated homeless population in Sitka. Programs Director Denise Schaefer says people are here tonight for a variety of reasons. Those people who have just been evicted or people who are leaving the fishing season and they didn't make enough money and so they're having to stay on boats that maybe they're captain for the season is letting them stay or, you know, something like that. That's the case for a deckhand named Joshua, who says low fish prices made it hard for him to pay rent or buy a plane ticket out of Sitka this fall. He says if he weren't here, he'd be in a tent in the woods. I'd be out in the woods right now. Yeah. Not a good night to be out in the woods. I would be, though. I'd rough her out. Schaefer says the majority of their clients are Alaska Native or white men between the ages of 30 and 60, a population not served by Sitka's Safe Shelter, which focuses primarily on women and children who have survived domestic violence. 
The warming shelter is low barrier, and while alcohol and drugs aren't allowed inside, Schaefer says they won't turn away someone who is visibly intoxicated. We seek to provide immediate need first, and so once you have shelter, once you have like food in your belly, once you're thinking, then you don't have to start thinking about these survival mode things, and you can start thinking about, okay, how am I going to stop drinking? Or how am I going to get the help that I need? The coalition is juggling other programs to address immediate need, a showers and laundry program through the Sitka Laundry Center and a hot dinner program through AC Lakeside Grocery Store that launched this fall. But their vision is ultimately to provide permanent housing through projects like the Hitkasani or Little Houses community under construction at the end of Jarvis Street. Right now, it's a gravel lot, but Hinton says by the end of 2024, a dozen permanent housing units will sit there. Uh, It's really important to us um, that individuals have the stability of a home, a place to return to, uh, a door that locks, a place to put their belongings um, in order to uh, begin to improve their lives in other facets. In the meantime, the coalition will keep prioritizing the basics, like a warm place to sleep or a mug of hot cocoa. For clients like Jacob, that feels like the right approach. It's all about staying warm and being amongst good people, and I appreciate that. In Sitka, I'm Meredith Reddick. You can learn more about the Warming Shelter and the Sitka Homeless Coalition's work on our website, kcaw.org. The Alaska Friends Conference issued an apology in cake Friday for the harm caused to the community by a Quaker mission they ran at the turn of the 20th century. The missionaries were also teachers at a school that forced Tlingit children to assimilate into white culture. Along with the apology, they're giving more than $90,000 to the community to help build a healing and cultural center. KTOO's Yvonne Crumry spoke with those leading this effort and has more. Jan Bronson is a member of the Alaska Friends Conference. She and a fellow Alaska Quaker have been digging into their church's history of repression and violence in Southeast Alaska, like in the village of Cake. We've learned we took away language. You know, we are deeply sorry. Took away dancing. Deeply sorry. Fractured relationships and families. Deeply sorry. You know, harmed children. So sorry. The Quakers are giving Cake over $90,000 to help fund a healing center, along with a formal public apology for harm they caused to Cake in the 1900s. Cake Tribal Council President Joel Jackson says missions in schools like the one in Cake traumatized generations of tribal members. What our people were experiencing because of, you know, the board and school era being passed on to generations even up to now, being uh, forced into these schools and forced not to speak their languages and, uh, you know, carry on their customs and traditions and their language. Jackson wrestled with these consequences for decades, first as police chief and now as council president. We had uh, unfortunate uh, high numbers of suicide in our little community. Suicide rates plummeted after cake leaders established a camp 35 years ago for youth that taught traditional food harvesting and art forms like carving. But Jackson says Alaska Natives are still healing from the forced assimilation that schools like the one in cake brought. Jackson and other tribal leaders are designing the new center to treat addiction with traditional values and food practices like hunting and fishing. It's very important that we at least try to give people an option to start healing 
from intergenerational trauma. The Quaker's apology is being offered on Cake Day, a day to celebrate cake survival and the community's cultural revitalization work. This isn't the first apology from the Quakers. In 2022, they came to Juneau to apologize for the Douglas Island Friends Mission School. And with that apology came a promise to do more, Bronson says. And it's not enough to say we're sorry. We're committed to listening, learning, and helping heal the trauma that resulted. Last summer, local Thingit activist Jamie-Ann Seetlin Hasselquist and two elders, Jim and Susan LaBelle, traveled to a Quaker conference in Oregon to talk about the harm the schools caused. After that meeting, one Quaker group in the Pacific Northwest pledged $75,000 for cake and others kicked in $20,000 more. Jackson, the council president, says the healing center cake is building with that money will help restore a sense of belonging and cultural identity to those who need it. In Juneau, I'm Yvonne Crumery. Juneau residents will soon see improvements to the lighting and visibility near Mendenhall River Community School. That comes after a woman and two young children were hit by a truck on Backloop Road last month. Officials met Thursday to discuss the incident and possible solutions. Juneau School Board Vice President Emil Mackey says that improving the safety near the school is not just a district problem. This is also a community problem because we have um, playgrounds that are used year-round, whether school's in or out of session. Um, there's a, it's essentially a park. Greg Lockwood with the state DOT says some short-term fixes are already underway, like reflective flagging on signs and high-performance LED lights at the entrance of the school. The lights should get shipped to Juneau next week. District Superintendent Frank Hauser says installing the lights will be a priority for the district. As soon as they come in, we will get the team to get them installed as quickly as possible uh, so they're in place. Denise Cook with the city's Public Works Department says another short-term measure is the city's plan to move its Capital Transit bus stop across the street from the school's entrance to a spot that sees less traffic. She says that change is planned for early February. School Board President Dee Dee Sorensen, who taught at the school for over two decades, says she thinks it's a miracle that only now has a serious accident happened there. Over the years, the district has, you know, done everything they could to discourage people in that neighborhood from walking to school. While we can offer all sorts of inducements to people, that does not necessarily change their behavior. She says she hopes the DOT can find ways to slow down drivers in the area. Lockwood says the DOT is also planning a highway safety improvement project in the area. He says one of the first steps will be a pedestrian crossing study. That will help understand how many people are crossing in the area and what measures might protect them. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is 